Uh, we're glad to have you this morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? isn't it? A wonderful day. The grass is green and growing, and the, pl the flowers are pretty. Looks much better than it did a month ago, so dry and hot out there. Amen? Amen. I <laughs> uh, want to welcome you guys out this morning. Uh, if you're a visitor here this morning, we're glad to have you. I see there's some visitors over here this morning, and, and, and we're glad to have you guys with us this week. Um, join in. Make yourself at home. Uh, just be one of us, and we're going to worship the Lord together. Amen. A couple of announcements. This week, uh, this weekend is the Daughters Conference, and uh, we've got several ladies that are going to that in Oklahoma City, the uh, Simmons God Women's Daughter, Daughters Conference, Women's Ministries, uh, our heart-to-hearts, what we call it. I don't know what all they call it, but uh, they've changed it. They call it Daughters Conference, so we'll just call it that. But be in prayer for those ladies that are going, uh, going up Friday and, and spend the night, and they're going to they're gonna get recharged. They're going to get refueled. They're going to get excited and, and come back and change the world. Amen. Amen. Uh, another thing coming up tonight is our, our cookout at the, our Labor Day cookout tonight in the pavilion down uh, by the youth building down there. So join us. It's at six o'clock. Uh, we've got hamburgers and hot dogs. We've got to have hamburgers and hot dogs to feed everybody in here twice. So uh, come out. There is a sign up sheet out there for sides and desserts if you want to sign up to bring. Uh, even if you don't sign up, go ahead and bring something and we'll have a good time of fellowship. I don't think it's going to be so hot tonight. Might be a little warm, but we are shaded down there in the pavilion. There's, there was a nice breeze the other night when we were down there. And so come uh, join us tonight, eat, uh, fellowship, and have a good time. Uh, also, I want to uh, announce again we are updating our prayer list, uh, our, our phone prayer list. And so if you want to be a part of that, uh, where you get the messages for the, the prayer chain, uh, in the bulletin, it has the number to put, uh, you text that number, it's 81010, and you text at, the little at symbol, LGAG Church, to that number, 81010, and it will put you on the list, and you'll get all the, the announcements that we send out. Anytime we have prayer needs, we'll send that out, and also, uh, if something changes, we don't have service, or there's something that we need to announce and let you guys know, that's a good way to get it out to everybody uh, right away. It's just a text message you'll get, and so uh, sign up for that, that way you'll get all of our information. Anything that we need to put out there will be there. And be patient with us. Uh, we're still, this has kind of changed over since pastors left. And so if, if you need on that list, uh, I've put the phone numbers to the church and also to me on there. You can send me a text or, 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 or uh, call me and I'll, I'll get you on there. Uh, please be patient because I know it's been trying to, some's been going through Marlin. And so sometimes it doesn't get to me right away. And so we're, we're working it out. So, but uh, we want you to be a part of that so we can get those, those things out. So uh, be sure and get a bulletin and, and look that up and do that as well. And so um, I think that was all the announcements. I want to say thank you to everybody that came out uh, Friday night and helped with our fifth quarter. We had a great turnout. Those that were here can, can, can testify to that. We had a great turnout. We, had, uh, we couldn't get everybody to hold still to count them. It's like counting ants on the sidewalk. But we estimate there was around 75, between 75 and 100. And I would say probably at least half or more than half were, were some of the kids I, I've never seen, uh, at least not in our youth group or here at the church. And so that's great. It's wonderful to have our students come. 
but it's even better when we see new faces because those guys got to come and they got to see what we have here and they got to be a part of it and got to meet us and got to uh, uh, be there uh, with with not just me, but other people in the church. And so that's a great thing. And so we, we thank you for, for all of you that came and helped, those that donated uh, hot dogs and those that cooked them and, and did all of that with it, but also those that prayed. Uh, some of you said, I can't, I can't come out that late, but I'll, I'll be praying. And so uh, we appreciate your prayers. Continue praying. We're doing it again at our church October 7th. Uh, is the next time it rolls around our church again uh, after the home game. And we had a good time at the game Friday night as well. Long Grove won. So some Long Grove fans. It's always good to win your homecoming. And that, that means we usually have a good turnout when they win. When they lose, everybody goes home for some reason. But, but we appreciate you guys for helping us out in that. And that, that's something our church needs is to be seen and to be a part of our community and investing in, in our young people. And so I, I thank you guys for that. And I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, stand with us this morning. We're going to worship the Lord together because he's worthy of our worship. Amen. I said God's worthy of our worship this morning because he loves us so much. If God didn't love us, we wouldn't be here. I said if God didn't love us, we wouldn't be here. That's, that's the pure, simple truth of it. Because we're not worthy, we're not deserving, but God loved us so much that he's given us life. And, and our job is to praise him. Our job is to worship him. Our God, uh, we don't have to buy his, his love. We don't have to buy his salvation, but we just worship him. We give him praise. Can we do that this morning? Let's just open our service this morning with praise and worship to him. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you this morning. We glorify you, God. We, we love you so much, God, because you first loved us. Lord, without your love, we would have nothing. God, we would be nothing. God, there's so many times you could have destroyed us because we were not worthy. We were evil. God, we were sinning, God, but you loved us so much. Not only did you create us, God, but you sent your son to die for us so that we could have life. And God, we praise you this morning. We glorify you. God, as we begin our service, we pray that you move in a mighty way. God, let your Holy Spirit come and, and flow in this place. God, let, let your Spirit move among us, God, that we would receive everything that you have for us. God, pour out your blessings this morning. And God, we exalt you and we praise you and we glorify you because you're worthy. You deserve it, God. God, we give you glory for everything that happens in this place. In the name of Jesus. Yes, amen. we got to get some worship going because... Jason was in control of the air this morning. It's about to freeze up here on the platform. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house today, God. That is the sole reason why we are here, God, to have an encounter with you. Father, we just pray this morning that you would just move in a mighty way in this sanctuary. Rest on your people this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With a heart of worship, I'm bringing in a brand new song. I'm ready to see the unthinkable. I'm ready for a miracle. Hearts praying for a fresh encounter. Souls looking to the living God. I'm ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall. We know you have so much more. We're looking.
into a new horizon. We're praying for the rain to pour, an overflowing of true redemption, an overflowing of your kingdom. We're ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place, fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood. There's no one like you, oh mighty God. There's no one like you. 
Father, we just thank you this morning for the blood, God. We thank you, Father, that we can be cleansed and purified through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, this morning for that sacrifice that you made even for us so many years ago, God, knowing the exact place we would be at this exact time and what we would need, God. Father, remind us this morning, God, that is through the blood, God. Thank you, Jesus. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you had me in your sight. And you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul and for the first time I had hope and thank you Jesus for the blood line thank you Jesus you have washed me white and thank you Jesus you have saved my life you brought me out of darkness into glorious my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days but then you walked right out again now death has no sting and life has no end for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb and thank you for the blood applied thank you Jesus you have washed me white and thank you Jesus you have saved my life you brought me out of darkness into glorious light and there is nothing strong
Thank you, Lord, that everything we just sang is the absolute truth. Whether we've experienced it or not, Lord, it's the absolute truth that you, with your blood, you, you purchased us a way to be rescued from all of our sin and our lives to be transformed. I pray that everybody here has already experienced that, Lord, and I pray for every, any person and every person, Lord, who hasn't yet experienced it to the extent that you want them to have it. God, I pray that that nothing will restrain them this morning and that you'll be able to pour your, your spirit in their heart and pour your love upon them and draw them, Lord, to experience everything we just sang about as their own personal experience, Lord. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's true. It's absolutely true that you can experience everything God has yourself if you'll just believe and receive. You don't have to be like anybody else and do it like they did. You just got to know Jesus is the source. And you go to the fountain and, and trust that what he has to give you is, is really real. It's really real. Jesus just said it over and over and over. Believe. If, will you believe? He, he even corrected his own disciples after they walked in three years. Why are you of so little faith? Why, why, why is it so hard for you to believe? Believing is, it's, it's, that's, that's what opens the door of heaven, opens the windows of heaven upon your life. And if you, if you say, you know, we were singing things that, that I haven't experienced. I, 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 I don't know, where, where is that healing? I'd like to know where it is. Where, where, where is that joy that we sing about? Where is that, where, where's the source of, source of that worship? It's all in believing and experiencing for yourself what God wants to do in your life, if you'll believe. I want to pray with you right now. I don't, want, I don't want to wait till the end of the service or another part of the service for an invitation. I want to give you the opportunity right now to begin believing and receiving everything God wants you to have. So this is what I want you to do. If, if you think that the Lord is, is just prodding your heart, He's drawing you, and, and there's more that He wants to give you, there's more that He wants to do in your life, that, there's, that there are, are doors that have been closed that God wants to open, and you want to take that step of believing right now, I want you to put your hand up in faith. Put your hand right up right in faith right now. Lord, these hands are up because th their heart says, Lord, you, you want to do more in their life than you've been able to do. I thank you for the step 
that they've taken to choose to believe. And God, I just pray you'll meet them there. Lord, that you'll meet them at that step. It's an, it's an inner decision. It's in their heart. That's where you see us. That's where you know us. And Lord, I pray for them in Jesus' name to be, to be experiencing the, the full power of your rescue, the full power of your salvation, the full power of, of a life transformation by your power and grace. Lord, I pray that this morning will be the beginning of great weeks and great months and great years until the time they stand before you, Lord. May they look back and see what believing did is absolutely true. Lord, it's, for, it's, it's, it's what brings praise forth from your church. And we praise you right now for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. Ushers are coming right now to give us the opportunity of worshiping with the giving of our tithes and offerings. God is worthy of your trust, even in your finances, even, you know, every area of your life. He, he, he speaks into those areas through your own relationship with him. And he, he shows you how to be a, how to be a responsible steward and how, and how, how to, how to put first things first. That's what God does. He's, he's a master at that. Lord, we want to show you this morning that we're responsive to what you've told us. We want to be good stewards. We, we want to invest in the work of your kingdom generously, Lord, because it's your kingdom. It's your work. Your work is the greatest work going on. It's the most, it's the most important business in the world, if we want to call it a business. It's in the, the, the redemption business. And I pray, God, that, that as we give this morning, you'll put our offering to work, doing what you want it to do, Lord, making a difference in the, in the, in the, in the spiritual climate of our community and, and around the world, Lord, we pray you'll use this mightily that right now as we give in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. forward to the day when when the Pope committee has done their work they've been led by the Lord to agree that this is the person that God has called to be your next pastor your next spiritual leader the the uh, the, the one God has put his hand upon for that well, aren't you looking forward to that when their work is done I, I you're not looking forward to it more than they are I can assure you because it's a very heavy responsibility and I just want to remind you to keep praying Keep asking God for wisdom and direction for those that are on the, the pulpit search committee and, and for the church in general and, and for that person. We don't have to know who it is before we're praying for them. We, we can be praying for them right now because God knows who it is. And this is very much, this is very, very, very much a journey of prayer. It, it really, prayer is, the, is what will make the difference. And we can all do that. So I want you to stand up to your feet again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, 
I, I, can't, I can't get away from this. That, that's what I'm here for. I'm here because you don't have a pastor and because I'm your pastor until you get a pastor. And it's not that I'm really in a hurry. I, I kind of am in a hurry. But I'm in a hurry for you because I want your next chapter to begin. I want, I want the next episode of what God wants to do in this city and, and with you. You're a, you're a vivacious group of people, and I can tell you sincerely love the Lord, especially that one. Praise the Lord. Back there, the Blakely family. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, uh, th this is an exciting day for you as a church, and I, just, I want you to really look to heaven and pursue God as a church. Lord, we are uniting our hearts right now with each other. We are uniting in faith, God, that you have an answer. You have the solution. You have the, the person that you want to be chosen by this body of people that brings them together in unity and that brings uh, uh, forth what you want to do with them and in them and through them in this community, God. We pray for, for you to lead, Lord, the, the pulpit committee who is doing their work. Lord, we, and, and, and Lord, we, we pray you'll lead that person, put in their heart a vision, oh God, already that, that you want to accomplish through them when they get here. We just, we put this matter in your hands. Instead of worrying about it, Lord, we know what to do about it. We're going to seek the throne of God. We are seeking you, Lord. We are asking, Lord, that you would assure us right now that you're hearing our prayers and give us a peace and a passion, Lord, for what you're going to do in this church as you send their new leader. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated again. I'm not planning on having you stand again for a little bit, but the exercise is good for you. Remember that? It's good. Let me show you something. Uh, under this lid is, uh, um, I think there are 40 uh, cups of, of communion juice. And this morning when you are looking for the bread, just reach a little further because right there, it, we've got two cups stacked. In the bottom cup is the bread, and in the top cup is your uh, communion element. So uh, instead of just taking, you know, you're not taking two side by side, but you're just, you're just realizing there are two cups there instead of one that you're picking up. Everybody got that? When we take communion after a while, it's a way that we can serve, uh, another way we can serve the bread. This is really special. Lord, we're going to have communion this morning. This is an awesome privilege for every church, for every Christian to partake in the Lord's Supper. I pray, Lord, that you'll sanctify our hearts for it. I pray, Lord, that you'll, you'll prepare our souls and prepare us spiritually, O oh God, to really observe what this really means, what it stands for, what it, what it represents, Lord. I pray that you'd, that you'd bring us to a place of, of reverence, a place of awe because of the price you paid for our redemption. And I praise you for the message of the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I'm, I'm preaching to you from uh, some verses in the book of Luke, chapter 22. I, I, this story is recorded in, in the four Gospels. And we can take a lot more time to read, but I want, I want to just read these verses, beginning with verse 7, Luke 22, verse 7. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived... When the Passover lamb is sacrificed. So that's very important. It tells you what time of year it was when Jesus was, being, was going to be crucified because that's the night he was going to be arrested. He had done this with his disciples in previous years, but this year was special as he will explain. 
Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Now, now they were a little out of town because later on it says when they got to the city. So Jesus is sending them on a mission that is not just around the corner. But he tells them to go and prepare for this Passover meal. And, uh, and they said, uh, uh, where do you want us to prepare it? And he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem. Now, probably most of us don't give directions just like this. But watch how he gives directions. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say uh, to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the room, the guest room, where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Isn't it something that he, he has such foreknowledge that he would know a person with a pitcher would be the would be the one that you're to follow. And then that's the person, all you have to do is ask when they know who they're doing it for, they, they'll prepare the room. That, that's just amazing to me. Uh, he will take you upstairs to a large room that's already set up. And that is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down at the table. Jesus said, I have been very, ang very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Obviously, that last statement had to get their attention because they were planning on having a Passover meal with him for many more years to come. That they, they were three years into their being his disciples and learning, and they still considered, well, surely we're still at the beginning. I'm surely there's, there are decades ahead of us to keep doing what we're doing. He's our leader. I, there's no telling where this is going to go. They, they probably had global thoughts, you know, whatever they knew about beyond Jerusalem and beyond Israel. But they, uh, they, had, to, uh, they had to step back when he said, uh, I won't eat this meal again with you. In fact, I'd say all of verses 15 and 16, if, if you were sitting there with him, they would probably words that kind of went by your ear, but instead of going in them, they probably just kind of went on by because you have to have a little a degree of understanding for, for words to be able to stick into your memory and, and, and for you to process them. They, they probably didn't understand what it meant when he said, I'm very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. He knew what was to come in those hours, that after this Passover meal, after sitting with them in this room for a few hours and teaching them what it says in John 13, 14, 15, 16, all those, all those things were said during this, this, these couple of hours before the, he was arrested in Gethsemane. And, and he, he knew all about it, but they didn't know anything about what was coming. Even though he had told them several times, you can see it in the scripture, we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be arrested and turned over into the hands of, uh, of uh, the Romans and, and I'm going to be killed and then on the third day I'm going to raise again. And they, they couldn't do anything but just let that go right on by their ears because they just wouldn't, they, even when it happened, you can tell they were shocked. And, and they forgot about the three-day resurrection thing that he told them over and over again. It was because that, that was just not what they wanted to hear from him. That wasn't, that wasn't their plans for him. But he knew that was, 
God's plans for him, and that that's, what, that's exactly what he was committed to doing. So reading those words again and trying to put yourself in the room with him and, and wonder what it means and, and know what we know now that they didn't know then. Let's see if, if, if those words mean very much to us. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning, its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The Passover meal had meaning. And it was, it was basically a type of something else to come. Because when, that, when, when the, the ten plagues that happened in Egypt that were going to set the people free from being slaves to the Egyptians, when, when those ten plagues were finished, the tenth plague was the death of one of, of the firstborn in every home. And, uh, but the only houses that the, the death angel would pass over would be the ones that the blood had been splattered on the doorpost. The blood of, blood of what? The blood of a Passover lamb. They were given their, their instructions that on that night uh, they, were to, they were to kill a lamb and use its blood as the, as the lamb of the Passover. And, and that, that blood on the, on the doorpost would tell the, uh, the angel, the death angel, pass by and, and don't take the life of the firstborn. But the Egyptians were, were grieving all across the land from the Pharaoh's house on down, it says, that, uh, that uh, uh, from the death of the firstborn. This was a type. This was a type of the blood of Jesus, God's Passover lamb, that would be on the doorpost of our hearts. And when, when the death angel comes or the reaper comes to try to take us to the place our sin would have destined us, there's blood in the way. There's blood as a signal. There's blood as a message. There's blood on, on our heart because we have, by faith, have appropriated the blood of Jesus to our hearts, to our sins. Our sins have been forgiven because of the blood. Be beautiful songs, Julie, that you were singing, that the worship team. I, I just love, I love the worship team, don't you? I, lo I love how hard they work and how good they sound and, and how sincerely they lead in worship. And I, I just love that we're led well in, in worship. It's such a privilege. But, but to, to, to take the words of those songs and the messages that they're singing about and the message of Scripture is so much more than just enjoying a worship service. Take them, apply them to your life, and live them out and rejoice in them day, all, day through day. I hope you don't just listen to music on Sunday morning. Listen to me. Soak yourself in music. And, you know, let, let music be, be a part of every single one of your days. Find a way. If you find a Christian radio station that you like or, or, you're, or you're, you, there's a million ways to find good, good uh, the kind of music that you want and you get to choose. Don't choose country all the time. And uh, don't choose rock any of the time. I don't know. I, would, I shouldn't say that. That's just not my, my style. But, uh, but, you know, be sure God's music makes the top ten in your, in your life. Amen? Did you notice how Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before I, my suffering begins. I believe he's still eager when his people take communion. I believe he's still excited about seeing us remember because basically we are getting to do with him. Every time we take communion, we're getting to do with him what he did with his disciples that night. There was something special about that Passover meal and his getting to be in their presence and them getting to be in his presence. And, and somehow they, the, the, the Spirit of God was working through what Jesus did. He washed their feet. He, he, he taught them and gave them, uh, gave them correction for, for, the, 
uh, well, he corrected Judas for what he was going to do, and he uh, warned Peter about what he was going to do, and all of them, all are going to flee. You're going to, tonight you're going to de deny, you're going to, you're going to flee from and, and deny me because the sheep, the shepherd's going to be smitten and the sheep are going to scatter. And they all said, that's, that's just not possible. That's not, that's not going to happen at all. But, but he was eager to be in that meeting with them. Can you imagine? He, I don't think he was eager for his suffering to begin. He was set for his, he was ready for his suffering to begin. He knew why he had come. He knew that that night was his destiny. He knew that that night was, the, was the, the fulfillment of so many promises, including the Passover uh, and all, all of the other things that had happened to, uh, to prepare that, for that night that the Lord had destined him. So he was ready for that. But I'm not saying that he was eager for that. He was eager to be with his people. He is always eager to be with his people. When we gather together, he loves that you love each other. He loves that you love being together with Him and experiencing Him together and, and, and exercising our faith together and, and receiving from Him together. I believe the Lord loves it when we come to church with the right attitude and we, and we are hungry for worship and hungry uh, to experience His power and His presence. Well, so this is what He did after, after He expressed his, his, his delight in being with them. And, and, and then He said... Then he, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And when I read the word wine in, in the scripture like this, I, I think grape juice. I, I, and I, because it's just the fruit of the vine is really the translation of the word. And he said, uh, this is the share. Uh, the, uh, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. I don't know. I, don't, I can't give you the exact interpretation of those words, but... It was very significant. It was, a, it was like a fasting statement or something Jesus just said, I'm going to, uh, there, there's something happening now that there's going to be a, a delay in happening again. Uh, and between now and then, some great things are going to happen. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, and then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Th th these are some more words that probably were hard for them to understand, not knowing what we know now. But about his resurrection, about he built his church, like he said, even though the gates of hell tried to prevail against it, they couldn't. And then he said, he took some bread and, and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Why are we to do it? To remember him. After, the, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant uh, between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I want you to think just for a moment, and maybe you've done this before. I've, I've, I've spent sizable amounts of time thinking about where all in the world, what, what are the places where the followers of Jesus have participated in this Lord's Supper since he instituted it on that night when he was about to be betrayed. Just hours before his arrest in Gethsemane. He started this, but it, it, in the New Testament we see that it was practiced weekly. And even sometimes daily, they would break bread together in their homes. They, they, they kept this ceremony, if you want to call it that, this, this symbolic experience where, where Jesus said, it, this is my body and this is my blood. 
and, and when, he, when, when he said those things to them, it, it, it got inside them and they, and they practiced it. But, but where has it happened since then? You know, Jerusalem is where the church began, so we know it happened there. But then, it, like it says in Acts, then in Judea, which is the area around uh, Jerusalem, and then, and then in Samaria, that's the area up north uh, of, 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 of Judea. And then, and, he said, and then he said, to the uttermost parts of the earth, that's still happening today. That, that this, this communion practice, but which started that night, has, has been practiced through the, through the years in continent after continent, in language after language, and God's not through yet until He reaches every single tribe and gets them, uh, gets them the message of the cross that they can take communion. Uh, this, this practice has taken place with missionaries, uh, where they've taken the gospel message, they always lead the people in communion when they receive Christ as their Savior. I've had the privilege with missionaries of, of taking communion with uh, congregations of people in Africa and, and in Asia and Bangladesh and, and in uh, Thailand and in Vietnam and, and places like Latin America, a lot, lot, a lot of places in Mexico that, that I've had the privilege of taking communion with churches that are enthusiastic about worshiping God and, and, and in Europe. And in Israel, I'm not trying to boast anything about my travel. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you that, that the, uh, the, the wonderful privilege of taking communion is not just ours. It's everybody who's redeemed in every different language. And, and God looks forward to it every single time. Jesus said in John uh, the 10th chapter, verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. In other words, he was prophesying about the people, the Gentiles that were going to be saved and the churches of people that would become full of his sheep all around the world, and God still fulfilling that prophecy of Jesus. Uh, and they partake in the Lord's Supper. Uh, uh, you know, think of the underground churches where they take communion, how sacred it is for the Lord to meet with them there. In prisons, people take communion. How, how special that the Lord would meet with them there. And, and then... Um, And in, in palaces as well as prisons, the, and the garden of the empty tomb. A lot of you may have taken communion with people when you were in Israel a few years ago. Uh, obviously, th this is the point of my message. Obviously, Jesus had a reason why we need to continue the practice of eating and drinking in remembrance of Him. I'm talking about the why. Why did He establish this as an ordinance of the church? God always has a reason why. Did, did you ever hear your parents tell you, uh, because they were busy at the time when you asked why, they said, because I said so. Uh, I, I don't, I, Marcia, did we use that on our kids? I, I, we did? Okay. Uh, I, I determined I was going to tell them why, but I guess I was in a hurry too. But, uh, but you know what? There has to be a reason why. My, my dad told me when I was uh, a kid, I would ask him, where, where should I read the Bible? I, I want to read the Bible. My grandma got me a Bible when I was about 10 years old. And, and so I, I'd look at it, and uh, I had no idea where to read. I had no familiarity with it at all. And I said, Dad, where should I read? He'd say, Psalm 37. So I would look. And maybe he knew Psalms would be easy for me to find. I don't know. But uh, Psalm 37 is one that I read over and over and over again because I asked him that question numerous times. And after a while, I knew what he was going to tell me. I couldn't, I could have just bypassed the asking him, but I thought maybe he'd tell me, maybe he'd read another one by now. And I, and uh, no, no, that's not what I think. I, w I was, 
But I, I, I really learned a lot, and I know he had a reason why. Even today, when I read, when I read it this week, and I, and I absorbed its thoughts, I could see why, why he told me to read that one, because it contrasts the life of the wicked and the life of, uh, of the redeemed. Yeah, and, and he wanted me to get that in my heart real clearly. Between, do I, do I want to be a man who walks with God, or do I want to be a man who forfeits that and experiences the results of being a person who, who, who rejects the, the favor of God? And it's so clear, so crystal clear in those 40 verses of Psalm 37. He had a reason why. Uh, God always has a reason why. You know, we celebrate Easter every spring. Does this church celebrate Easter every spring? I, I'm kind of assuming you might be like most other churches. Be, pretty big deal, right? And, uh, but did the Lord tell us to celebrate Easter? I don't remember getting those instructions from the Lord. What about Christmas? Do you all celebrate Christmas every fall, every uh, winter in, in, this, in December? Yeah, of course you do. We're not going to miss that one, are we? Sure not going to miss that one. We, we got addicted to that when we were kids. But uh, we're not going to quit. But the Lord, we're not doing that because the Lord told us to. But uh, here, here's the reality. He did tell us to baptize people in water who become converts and to, and to partake in the Lord's Supper, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so, of course, he had a reason why when he told us to do that, we should embrace this practice enthusiastically and, and be excited uh, to do exactly what our Lord said to do. And I mean, get in it and find all, all of what he meant it to be. Find out all the whys. Ask him why. Show me why, Lord. Show me why you show me what you want me to be experiencing when I take communion. Show me. And in other words, get in it instead of just uh, as a ritual take part in it and not even know it, not even know what it's all about. What are those reasons for establishing this practice of his broken the broken bread being his body and the and the cup being the New Testament uh, sealed by his blood. Uh, I'll give you this from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. This is when Paul was explaining, he was reciting again what he had heard from the disciples about, about how the Lord started communion, and he's telling the church at Corinth, as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth or proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, uh, communion, one of the whys is that you get to practice it individually. It is, it is about, it's a you experience. You. It's not just us. It's not just we. It's not just the church that I just named. It's every single person that is partaking in it. It's an individual between you and God experience. And God sees your faith or he sees the lack of it. He sees the, the trust that you express when you, when you partake in communion. He sees the reverence. He sees your, your love for him. He, he sees that you exci you're excited about experiencing anything spiritual that he wants for your life. And you hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a personal uh, participation that expresses your personal testimony. If you're, if you're doing it, and of course the Lord loves that. He wants that to, to be continued. He, he wants you, your personal experience to be continually expressed personally by you in whatever way it could be. It can be by, by remembering him and what he did. We and our, we and our children, uh, by, by this practice, get, get to keep growing in our understanding of how God chose to rescue us and save us from sin, enabling us uh, to, to come right into relationship with him. That, that, that's what this illustrates for us. 
It shows us that there was something between us and God, but God took care of it by, by sending Jesus, and he broke that power, those shackles, that, uh, th those heavy chains fell off of us. I heard a few of you shout when we, heard that, when we heard those words this morning because you remember those heavy chains of sin. But the Lord broke those chains of sin, and you get, you get to enjoy being in relationship with God. Though we don't deserve to be, we get to be. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Isaiah 1.18 tells what we're celebrating. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In other words, God is explaining your salvation is a miracle that I'm doing for you. It's not something you do and, and you gain these credits and get it. Uh, you, you, finally, you finally achieved. We're going to uh, stamp a, uh, uh, we're going to put a, a medal on your, on your clothes. You know, it's, it's, that's not what salvation is. It's what God did for you because you believed and received. That what Jesus did for on the cross was for you. You took it personally. And you, I really intend, I, I really believe the Lord intended salvation, uh, or communion to be a, a, a promoter of salvation. A means by which people uh, choose to be saved. I don't believe taking communion will make you saved. I, just like being baptized in the water won't make you saved. But, but the belief that caused you to submit to baptism in water and, and the belief and, and the excitement over the blood that was shed to forgive you of your sin, when you activate that faith and you put it, you express it in communion, that then, then it, it is part of what God, what God was motivating you to do when he established this practice. I believe he meant for it to be evangelical. I, I believe that every time um, we, we partake in communion, that every single person uh, is evaluating, they're examining themselves, they're, they're examining their relationship with God, and they're saying, am I really serious about this because I shouldn't, I shouldn't take this lightly. There, there's something sacred about those elements. There's something sacred about this invitation from the Lord to do this in remembrance of Him. And, and, and I remember even as a kid, it got, it got my attention. It, it, it brought me in on it. I believe that God intends that exact thing to happen, to draw you, to draw you into this experience. It shows you that you don't have to, you, you're not going to earn your salvation by your righteousness. You can, you can receive it by His grace through faith. And, and that's illustrated so well in, in, this, um, uh, in this practice. I, I, I believe that his faithfulness to the covenant, his commitment to the covenant between God and man is much greater than our commitment to it. It's, it's much greater than our appreciation of it. His faithfulness to the covenant, you know, his, his, he's strong and we're weak just by nature. We, we are weak, but he's strong. But this is an indication of, uh, I, I think this is an indication of why he gave us the Lord's Supper, because he knew we are weak. On the night that uh, the disciples were taken, you know, after, after, after this uh, meeting where, where they were, they went over uh, to this Garden of Gethsemane, and, and that's when he began to travail in prayer, and he asked his disciples to pray with him, and, and uh, you know how they fell asleep, and but, and, he, and he came back and warned them and, and stirred them up to pray with him two different times, so three, or two or three different times. And, and uh, it said, he, he used these words, uh, be alert and watch out for temptation. Watch out, uh, watch out. And then he used these words, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
because he knows how weak our flesh is, he knew there was something that, that needs to remind us because we become distracted. We, we become distant from him. But he reminds us that his body and his blood have already been invested in, in rescuing us and saving us and reconciling us unto him. When he does this, when, when, when our weakness has caused us to, to flounder a little bit, this brings us back to, to his strength and his power of rescuing us. And, and maybe it just it gives us a little more confidence when we realize that God is the strength He's why we're winning this. I, I used to hear a, uh, a statement a friend of mine uh, used to make. Uh, he, he said that when, when somebody would take credit for something that, let, let's say a group of people were taking credit for something that one person did, and, and, he, and uh, he said, yeah, he said, like the little boy who came back and told his mom, we killed a bear and Papa shot it. You know, uh, it, was, it was a team effort. But Papa shot, and, and we, we can feel that way about God. We, we are saved, but Jesus did all the work. Jesus did all the, all the bleeding and, all, and all, all, the, all the supernatural power at work to destroy the demons that were after our souls. Thank God. I guess, it, I guess what I'm saying can be expressed with the words of an old song. I'm an old guy, so I remember old songs. Uh, but do you remember Dottie Rambo? Uh, she, worked, she wrote the words of a song, Don't Let Me Stray Too Far From Calvary. Uh, she, here's the, here are the, just one of the first verse, I think, the lyrics. As long as I can see him hanging on a, dif- a distant cross, dying between two common thieves, spat upon and mocked. As long as I can see your open wounds bleeding for me, then I can be what you want me to be. So she, the chorus she, she wrote was, Don't let me stray too far from Calvary. Don't spare the agony of Gethsemane. I might soon forget the death you died for me. That's why I pray, don't let me stray too far from Calvary. I believe that she captured some of the thoughts that, that were the why that God established communion. I, 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 now, I'm giving you a human attempt to try to understand why. I believe the explanation is bigger than a human attempt. I believe it's greater, and and I believe God will reveal to us the more more we ask Him to. I I believe He'll show us the why that He established this as as an ordinance for the church, a practice that the church should not ever stop doing. I'll wind up with just these words. It doesn't mean as much if it's just a ceremony to you. Be careful. To only participate in the Lord's Supper with your full attention discerning the Lord's body. That's what he said. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. How do you eat and drink? Uh, How do you eat and drink in communion and, and eat and drink damnation and judgment to yourself? by not discerning the Lord's body, by by doing it without realizing who it is that started it and why he started it and what what he wanted you to be thinking and and committing to in a relationship with God, in a a covenant relationship with God. In other words, you were taking it very seriously. Uh, Over in the Old Testament, well, uh, let me me finish the, the verse I was reading first. Verse 30 says... That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. 
Isn't that interesting? Because they didn't discern the Lord's body in, in communion. Perhaps there, there's a couple of explanations to how, why some of them have died or, or have been weak and sick. Because they, they, they failed to experience the power that was available to them if they discerned the Lord's body and blood. If you knew how powerful he is to save, you can, that, that, that faith can, can put, you, put your hands gripping a, a salvation that keeps you from being weak and sick and, and dying. Now, I'm not saying that nobody, that anybody, everybody who's a Christian is not going to ever experience being sick and, and, uh, uh, and weak or, or even dying. Of course, we all experience that. But we have an anchor, don't we? We, we? we don't just go through the storm without a hope, without somebody to talk to, without somebody we're in relationship to. And, you know, I, when I was praying for a, a woman in our church this week uh, up in Edmond where I, where I pastored, and she, she was passing away, only 63 years old. And, and uh, I was praying for her. I was, Lord, I, I, we, we all want her healed. She was, she was hours from her death. And uh, she had um, pancreatic cancer, and it took her life in just a few months. And, uh, and, and, and we were praying for this. And, and I was saying, Lord, but, but I, I was using all the thoughts that I have about communion in praying for them. Lord, you, you spilled your blood so that sin's power would be broken and sickness power would be broken. And Lord, we, we'll leave it up to you if you decide to or decide. We're, we're not going to withdraw our belief and our trust, whatever you do. But Lord, we know that's what that was for. In other words, we have, a, we have a place to go to. We have a relationship. We know somebody. We know the somebody. We know the Savior. And when you go through a storm, that's what God expects you to do is use your relationship with Him and reach out to Him. And because of, because of doing that, a lot of you that would have been sick and would have been weak or maybe would have died are here this morning because God is working a miracle in your life. I, not everybody gets every miracle that they wanted, but an awful lot of us get the miracle that we, that we even beyond what we asked for and what we desired from the Lord. So maybe, may, maybe that's part of the answer to that, but uh, clearly God judges those. He judges people who ignore and show disrespect for the sacred and the holy. Uh, over in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6 uh, Sounds like we're getting some rain. Somebody was driving a beautiful, cat, a beautiful convertible out there with the top down when I came. If that was yours, hurry. We'll wait till you get back. <laughs> Funny that I was just preaching on... Um, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6, David was uh, celebrating the, the, you know, the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant while Eli was the priest. And David was getting to bring it back. He was, he was planning to bring it back all the way to Jerusalem. And, and they, they, they just, got, God had given Moses, that doesn't sound like just that rain, does it? Maybe we ought to take communion now. God had given, God had given Moses strict, strict rules about moving the, the Ark of the Covenant. 
who was to do it. The priests were to do this. The, the Levites were to do this. And nobody else was to be involved in it. But I, I think David didn't research all that. And, and, and he, he got the best people he could to... And a couple of Adoniah, or Ab, Ab, I forgot his first name. You can see it in that verse. Two of his sons, well, one of them took the lead and was out in front, and the other one was somewhere behind. But anyway, when they got to a certain threshing floor, there was a bump, bump in the road, and the oxen stumbled, and it caused a, 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 Yuzah, a guy named Yuza, one of the sons, reached out and, and, and tried to stabilize the ark. And when he did, it took his life. He died right there next to the ark. This was a, this, all that was, was God keeping his word that he had done in the, in the past. And in fact, the, uh, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls revealed that the text uh, at that time, it was saying because of Yuza's lack of reverence, because of his, uh, that he didn't show the right reverence toward the Ark of the Covenant. I, I'm, I'm saying that there are, that there's a cost to, to, uh, not revere what God says is holy and what God says is sacred. And Jesus established something that is, that is indicative of the covenant of God with us between lost people and, and God so that they won't continue to be lost. They'll, can, they'll be rescued, saved, name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, a place being prepared for them in the throne, uh, in the place where the, the Father lives. And, and, and I couldn't even begin to name what all the benefits are to those who are redeemed. And God, God sent him, and he stood there, and he, told, he invited them to eat this bread. It's my body. Drink this cup. This is the New Testament sealed with my blood. And we ought to take that with reverence, with awe, with a regard for its holiness. Don't take it any other way. Realize that in it there, is, there are benefits Represented in what you what you're taking. It's it's not a it's not a good luck charm. That's no, don't look at it like that. It's a relationship with God. <laughs> that that's greater that, that, that any amount of uh, a financial gain or blessing that you could receive in this world to have the favor of God, a relationship with God, and Jesus purchased it with His body and His blood, and invites you into relationship. If you're not in relationship. Get in relationship right now. The Lord doesn't say you have to be in, the, in a relationship with me for a, for a year before you can take communion. He doesn't even say you have to wait a minute. As soon as you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Lord wants you to take communion. He wants you to discern His body and His blood in these elements. He wants you to see it's real. It's real. It's, it's a relationship that's more real than anything else there is in this world. It's real. You're redeemed. You're washed. You're cleansed. You're made part of the family of God. You become a child of God. I'd like the ushers to come and distribute the elements of communion. While they're, while they're doing that, I guess the same ushers that served us a while ago, it might be that a couple of you could join them and, and make this go a little bit faster if a couple of you men would do that. Jason, would you help with that? No, never mind, somebody else jumped up. That's good. We've got plenty of guys now. Go, go ahead, gentlemen, and just start down the road. Remember, the cup is a, is a two-cup thing, one on top of the other. The, the bread is in the bottom cup, and the juice is in the top cup.
But while they're distributing this, I, I, want, I want you to stay with me. Because some of you are, are what I just said was kind of scary and, and you're worried about, am I worthy? Let me tell you, one thing makes you worthy is if you say yes. You say yes. Yeah, I, I, Clint, that, that's not your name. I, I was going to tell you to go to the other end of a row somewhere and that way you can be a pastor backer. Pardon us while we get through this. But even if you've never served the Lord at all and you're ready right now to say, Lord, I realize I can't save myself. I'll never be worthy. But I do believe and I do want to receive the benefit of eternal life. I want my heart to be touched with your power and your grace. I want to know that you're my Savior. I can't depend on how strong my flesh is because it's weak. But I can depend on how strong you are, Lord. And if, you, if you're willing to pray that prayer before you take communion, before you put that to your lips, I believe that's exactly what the Lord wants you to do is pray that prayer and then put these elements to your lips as a child of God. It's not the communion that's going to save you. It's your personal belief. It's your personal desire to, to believe what he said and receive what he gives. It's yours if you'll just believe. I don't know who I might be talking to this morning that has really fumbled this idea of believing. It's, it's been on again, off again for you so many times that you don't even trust yourself to believe. I, I kind of went through a period of that in my teen years. Not, not, not really unbelief, but I just thought there was, there was something outside, outside this relationship with God that, that I should have too. It was a tragic mistake. And it didn't do anything but just make me wish I could live that part of my life over. Maybe you're, you've experienced some of that. But here's what got me where I am today. Believing and receiving what he gives me. And, and communion is an, is an illustration of that. You, you can see that the Lord isn't just doing this for people who are worthy. It's people who are, are, are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And believe him that he's the source of it. He's the source of our salvation. He's the source of our hope. He's the source of our peace. Amen. Gentlemen, I'll serve you. You can go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Merle. God bless you, gentlemen. Thank you. Anyone who has not been served that wants to be? Dennis, have you been served? Okay. Me. My turn. I'm going to allow you to remain seated. Jesus took the bread and then he gave thanks to God for it. Lord, we give you thanks that this bread <laughs> represents the body that you submitted to the cross, the body that was broken, the body from which the blood that sealed the covenant would flow. We, we thank you, Lord, for coming. God in the flesh, Emmanuel with us. 
What a miracle the incarnation is. That you lived in a human body like this. And you allowed your body to be arrested and nailed to an old rugged cross so that sin's penalty would be completely paid. While on the cross, Lord, you said it is finished. You paid the debt that we owed. We thank you for your body that was broken. And we eat this bread by faith, Lord, that you allow us to be redeemed through what you did in Jesus' name. Shall we eat together? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks to it, to God for it. Lord, thank you for the cup that represents the covenant between you and weak mankind. Thank you, Lord, that you initiated a covenant that would be sealed by your own blood, the blood of Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Lord, we thank you for the truth of that covenant, that you are eager for us to, to come into that covenant relationship with you, e even in our weakness, in our, in our inability, Lord, to, to deliver the kind of holiness and righteous living that you deserve from us, Lord. You invite us in. You invite us in because the closer we get to you, Lord, the more your power can flow through us and our lives will be transformed. Thank you for this cup. We drink it, confirming the covenant, believing with all our heart that you invited us into your family and redeemed us when you spilled your blood on that cross for us. In Jesus' name, shall we drink the cup together? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to close with singing a, a chorus, I think probably the one we sang earlier about the blood. And uh, let, let me just say this to you. That covenant relationship, we talk about salvation from sin. That's, of course, the most, most important part of that covenant relationship, but what all comes with sonship? You'll spend the rest of your life and maybe the years of our eternity dis discovering the benefits of being a son and daughter of God, to being a child of God. And we're, we're going to know that, especially when we stand before him, that we don't have any righteousness of our own. <laughs> but all, all of it was his given to us, his righteousness imputed to us, his blood that washed away our sin, his grace that redeemed us. Praise God. Praise God. But I want, I want you to take, just be aggressive about, about finding all the benefits there are as a child of God. Find every one of them. Find all the benefits so that you've got a healer. You've got a peace giver. You've got one that can enable you to forgive somebody that has hurt you and he doesn't want you to have to carry that the rest of your life because you got hurt and you got unforgiveness and you got malice in your heart toward that person. You've got somebody to go to who can free you from that. Set you free. Maybe there's somebody here right now that needs to be set free from that right now. That's part of being the child of God. Just like He forgives us when we don't deserve it and didn't earn it. He says, you, you, you'll be free by, by doing the same thing, offering forgiveness. 
giving forgiveness. It's a matter of your will. That's what it is. Just will you or won't you. But God will help you be able to say, yes, I will. The, the, the gifts, the gift of being a child of God, it's too good to pass up. I hope the Lord will, will help me someday to preach it just like it really is. I, I, want, I want to say it. It's so, it's so far beyond human means to say it, but I want the Spirit of God to be able to say it proclaim it because I don't want anybody missing out on it, underestimating how wonderful it is to be a child of God, a redeemed, rescued, brought into covenant relationship with God, and who rejoices in all the benefits of it. Amen. Would you stand? Let's conclude the service with our prayers, I mean, with our, with our worship and praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You have washed me white. Me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Yes, you have. You brought me out of darkness into glorious light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus. For the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Thank you, Lord. You brought me out of darkness into glorious your blessing just remains upon our lives today Lord so that you accomplishing your will in us you accomplishing your purpose for our lives fill our lives with your joy that we may be contagious that we may inspire others Lord to be be drawn to you I just pray you'd, you'd it, it, 
cause what, what we experienced here to be what we live seven days a week, 24 hours a day. For your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. See you tonight for burgers and hot dogs out at the pavilion, 6 o'clock. Not burgers. Hot dogs. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that God.